Welcome to episode three of Momentum. I'm excited to be back. I feel like a week is too long between episodes. I might have to do something about that. But the response to the podcast has been more than I would have imagined. Um, It's been incredible, really exciting to hear people's feedback, sending me messages, uh, quoting different parts of it. It's just been awesome. So I appreciate everyone who's done that and everyone who's left reviews and ratings. Uh, It means a lot. So thank you again. Uh, The other part to this, to launching a new podcast, is you get constructive criticism from your friends, which that's what they're for. And one of the pieces that I got was that my intro with Eric Corum was too long. So I went back and listened to it. And the funny thing is I literally opened the episode by saying, hey, I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet because I'm not a fan of long intros. Then I proceeded to do a seven minute intro somehow. So that's fantastic. But you live and you learn. The The feedback I got was, Stephen, it felt like you were taking us on a roller coaster and we were elevating. It was great. And then you just hit a point where we just started to go down. Um, and then thank God, Quorum stepped in and elevated the episode again. So no elevators or no uh, roller coasters today. I'm going to try to keep this short and sweet. So this is for you, Ryan and Ryan, and probably everyone else who was listening who just didn't say anything. So quicker intro starting right now. John Toth uh, is is a former University of Kentucky center, four-year starter. Him and I played together. We were also roommates, so we go quite a ways back. Uh, But he has been in the process of bouncing between NFL teams for the last several years. So we talk about what that's like. Um, you know, having no guarantees of, of signing a contract, making money, kind of the, just the up and down, uh, life of being an NFL free agent. We talk about some old stories playing Kentucky ball, you know, what the program is like, how it changed. We talked about how he's staying consistent with his training and how he's in now the best shape of his life. We talk about some, some funny Kentucky stuff. Uh, you know, I asked him things like, who do you think is the best player you played against? Some interesting stuff. It was a great conversation. Really good catching up with John either way. Um, so I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you enjoyed this much faster intro. Love you guys. I remember being in the phase that you're in where you're pretty much just training. Like that is your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been doing. Yeah. I mean, I've been training. I mean, ever since I like got to the NFL, really. But when you're like now in teams, especially, you're just like kind of in limbo almost. Like you yeah. never know when you can get called, and it's just like it's almost paralyzing because <laughs> it's like you have other, you know, things you could do, but you're like putting it on hold because you're like, well, what if I start doing something and then I get called like, you know, in a week, and it's like. And you just stop training. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't stop training, but it's like if you have a full time job, it's kind of hard to do a two hour training session and to commit to to anything, knowing that you could jet any day. Like you're sitting by your phone, waiting for a yeah, call. Yeah, like you don't want to like take a real job that that pays real money just because it's like you don't want to like burn that bridge. <laughs> so um, that's, I mean. But that's the good thing about modeling, big and tall modeling is like, 
I can still focus on football. And then it's like, I have that source of income as well. So I haven't talked to you about that. Tell me about the big and tall modeling. I've seen it, but how did you get into this? Um, it was really my fiance that got me into it. Um, she, you know, she works, her business is like personal shopping and styling for big and tall athletes. So she like runs and operates her own company that does that. And she has like a clientele of NFL, NBA, um, a couple like NASCAR, and then a couple just nine to five executives, like C-suite executives that she works with. And other than like people that she's known for a while that are of ordinary size, all of her clients are uh, like extended sizes in terms of like height, like all that kind of stuff. So she, um, you know, she shops primarily online, but like, that's another reason why we're in New York as well is like before COVID, obviously, like this is kind of the spot of all retail stuff. Um, so she shops a lot online, but, you know, we also like to go to, she likes to go to stores and like be able to like, it's a different experience being able to like touch and see the merchandise, see like how it would potentially fit a client versus like seeing it online. So she, um, shops online, like I was saying, and I mean, she's in these big and tall sections a lot, like looking at these models and was like, you know, I think that you look a lot better than all these models <laughs> like there's no reason you should not be in these photos like getting paid to do this and so one of her clients actually had the contact information of like a scout at img and we just like contacted this scout through one of her clients and um they were just like we went through that whole process they were just like wanting me to submit photos all that kind of stuff just so they could like check them out and just kind of see if I would fit their I guess their roster of like guys and yeah that's just kind of how it started so I signed with IMG um, that's the modeling agency so I have a modeling agency and then like my marketing and sports agency and so IMG does like all the modeling stuff um, pretty much and so I signed with them there was like a long contract. I originally like contacted them in like March of 2019, like March, February, I want to say of 2019. And then there was a, like a long back and forth between the marketing, um, just with the contract with IMG. And I didn't actually sign until like July of 2019 and then did a couple paid jobs last year. But with football, obviously, like they have to work around kind of um, you know, my football schedule, uh, which, you know, when you're in the position I am in and it's like, you're going on and off of teams, it's not like ideal. Cause you need a little bit of lead time for like these jobs. It's not like you get called the day before, like it can happen that way, but usually it's like at least a week or, or longer. It could be like a month, you know, so two months depending on the job so I mean everyone like all the clients and brands are different but yeah so I mean it's been I haven't had a ton of experience I've been getting a little work lately um but it's been so I'm 
relatively fresh to it, just like still learning a lot and, and really liking it, honestly. I mean, it's awesome work. It's super fun. Um, but yeah. It's funny because most people, a lot of people that are going to listen probably already know who you are. I guess it's gonna be a lot, mm-hmm. probably a little bit of UK based people and just internal friends and stuff. But for the people listening that don't know who you are, mm-hmm. the big and tall model is just funny because this is a massive, we'd call you a massive unit. You know, there's big people and then there's massive people. <laughs> like we were, uh, we were just yeah. looking through our wedding for people who don't know, John was a groomsman at my wedding and we were just looking through our wedding photos and like, you know, I'm not a small guy. And I took a picture individually with each of the groomsmen and I'm a decent amount bigger than all of my groomsmen. And then we get to you and yeah. like, I look like your little brother or something. Like you're there to support your little brother for the way. <laughs> Just it's so funny that like that happens with my older brother too. Whenever like me and him go places and like I'm meeting his friends for like the first time, they're like, you're his little brother. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> little big so, bro yeah so you give the give a, a like the three minute spiel on your kind of the background in football specifically so like obviously you played at Kentucky where you've mm-hmm. bounced around since then and kind of mm-hmm. the path the last couple of years yeah so I've been so I my draft class was 2017 um I guess after college, I did my uh, like draft prep, or I guess uh, combine prep at Chip Smith Performance, and it was in Georgia at that time, like near Atlanta. And like did the combine, didn't do great at the combine. Uh, ended up through training and just playing football and being a large human. Ended up herniating my disc two weeks before the draft. And then um, that really impacted, obviously, my draftability. Um, I was projected to be like a mid to late round guy. Um, I mean, obviously, beauty's in the, the eye of the beholder in that respect. Like, you know, one team could see you as, as like a third round pick. And then, you know, another team could see you as undraftable or like a free agent. So who really knows at the end of the day? Um but yeah, I mean, it was bad. Like I couldn't, I was getting like nerve damage, like couldn't eventually I couldn't push off like my big toe. It was just getting progressively worse. And this was when you first got brought into the jets, you're saying? No, this is like after the draft or like, this was like two weeks before the draft. Okay. When this happened. And then, so like, it was crazy. It just happened one morning. I like, I had just the day before gone to like the Colts pro day, the local pro day. Cause I'm from Indy and drove back to Lexington. Cause that's where I was staying after the combine, just training at the UK facility. So I drove back from Indy. It's like three hour drive uh, to Lexington and woke up the next morning and like turned in bed. Like when I got up, I was like, my feet were on the ground and then I like turned to like, look at something. And then I just felt like a pop. And then I was like, oh shit, like <laughs> that was not good. And then, so I like get up and like, I just like can't bend down. I was like, oh God. And it just progressively got worse. Like I went to a doctor and you obviously like, 
that close to the draft, like you don't want to have to get surgery because it's like, especially with an injury like that, it's like, I mean, even like the day or the first couple days it happened, like I could still walk and stuff fine. And like in retrospect, it would have been like I should have gotten surgery immediately. But, um, you know, the doctor I saw was just like, you know, these things can sometimes clear up on their own. Like, and I was like, you know, I was like potentially going to get drafted. I'm like, I don't want to have to tell teams that I have to go get surgery, you know? So I decided to like kind of wait it out um, and just got progressively worse. Didn't get drafted, like through draft day, still injured. Was this largely because teams were figuring out you had back issues? Yeah, like scouts and stuff call you like several days before the draft, just like check in, be like, hey, how's everything going? Just like boilerplate questions, just like you, you healthy? Like, how the, how's everything going? You in shape? Blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, after talking to my agent, I was like, um, probably shouldn't lie to teams just because like you, sh- they like sign you and you show up. It's like, First of all, they're just going to like avoid your contract anyway, because you lie to them. And I mean, you have to go through a physical anyway, before you um, sign a contract. So it's just like in the long run, it's like, you don't want to burn those bridges and just be that guy who's, you know, an asshole and (laughs) like a liar, you know? So I was just like, better just tell them the truth and just, you know, kind of work it out from there. So, you know, when all these scouts would call, I'd be like, no, I'm not healthy, blah, blah, blah. Like I, like can barely walk right now i messed my back up so yeah so ended up once draft day came just like watching the draft the whole time just like watching other guys get drafted like super huge bummer you know just feeling down on yourself and then um eventually deciding to get i, I had gone to so i went undrafted and then i was invited to the jets rookie mini camp and the rams rookie mini camp and I was still injured at the time. Just like, they're just like, Hey, just like, come here. Let us, let our doctors evaluate you. Like, obviously you can't do anything on the field, but just kind of like hang out and be in the meetings, go to practice, that kind of stuff. And so I did those, their doctors evaluated me. I think both of them pretty much were like, yeah, you're going to need to get surgery. So didn't sign with any team, had to go get surgery. Um, I got surgery in May. And then it was basically like a six month recovery until like November. And I signed with like, once I told my agent I was good to go, there were several teams who reached out and I think it was like between the Broncos and the Eagles, I ended up signing on the Eagles practice squad for that year. And I was with them until the end of the regular season of 20. So this is still 2017, end of the regular season, 2017. And then was released going into the preseason and then signed a futures at the end of the regular season for 2018. So I was with them 2018 all off season until uh, I want to say week three. And then I was on just a free agent for a while, I think. And then end of the year, I want to say I signed with the Jets on their practice squad. That was with when Bowles was the coach still, Bowles and that staff. And then end of the year with the Jets. And then at the end of the year, they like give you an option to like sign back if you're on the practice squad. Cause really you don't have like with a 90 on the 90 man off season roster, you sign like a real contract, like the whatever minimum rookie salary is. So 
they, the Jets and the Eagles gave me the option to sign with them for the off season. So after like a bunch of deliberation, I was like with Adrian, my fiance, I was like, it's like, I felt like I learned a lot at the Eagles, but like, I was like, who knows with like a new staff, you get like a fresh start, like could compete for a starting spot and like an actual roster spot. Um, so like after a ton of deliberation, decided to stay with the Jets and just kind of play the odds, you know, that it would be a staff that would, you know, I could impress. And then see, this is 2019 we're in now. Yeah, it was with them all off season. And then like two or three weeks into camp, I want to say, or a week into camp, they signed Ryan Khalil out of retirement. They ended up getting rid of the GM who brought me in like after the draft. So <laughs> that you kind of like in the NFL when a new GM comes in, they, they like to kind of clear clean house, kind of get their own guys in there. Um, but so I was, you know, the number two center um, in camp. And then they brought in Ryan Khalil out of retirement and bumped me back to three and ended up getting released at the end of the preseason. Didn't get a single call the the rest of the year in terms of like workouts or anything and that's when the xfl was starting up this last for this earlier this year and you kind of had to commit to that like they did that uh, the draft and stuff for that um i think in november and you had to commit by like december or late november maybe so i ended up committing to that because i was like well it's an opportunity like i i mean i was like you're getting paid. It's not great pay, but it's good. Like it's decent. Like, but the reason you do the XFL is not for the pay. It's like, you're doing the XFL because you want to get film for the NFL. So it's like, I mean, I'm not really concerned about the amount of money, even though obviously you want as much as possible. Um, so did committed to the XFL, did that and got some film was the starting center for the DC team. Um, I mean, I was just went in, went into it with the mentality of I'm coming here to get film, like the environment and like what is provided doesn't really matter as long as it's like pretty safe to work in terms of like practice tempo and like all that. And, you know, the games are, are legit. Like let's, I was like, I have nothing to complain about. Like we all know why we're here to get, to, to get back to the NFL. So I think that that actually, you know, helped in this year, I was able to get invited to the Cleveland Browns camp. Like I only had, they, they, they invited me really late because their center was, got injured. When they invite you in? Uh, it was like the last week and a half I was there. Okay. Of, so of camp. Camp. And I mean, it, it kind of sucked this year just because there wasn't any preseason games or there weren't any preseason games. So from that aspect it's like you can't get any film at all you're really just relying on the impression you create with the team so you're really like unless you have actual game footage from like the previous year then it's like what's your most recent film that we can see it's like two years old it's like teams don't want to see that so um yeah i mean i felt like i again i went into that to that situation knowing that like okay like I know what the deal is like it's a week and a half I'm here to like be a body you know essentially 
Um, it's pretty hard to pick up an offense in a week and a half <laughs> and like be going full speed. But luckily it was, the offense was pretty similar to um, what I've been doing at the Jets. So like, I felt like I was kind of fortunate even though like, I was like, I mean, I know there's only a week and a half and it's like pretty hard to make a solid impression in that amount of time. I'm like, it could have been worse, you know? So um, trying to just go into it with a, with a positive mentality. And, you know, I mean, it's better than not getting an invite. So, so I was with the Browns like the last week and a half and then got released at the end of the preseason and have just been training and staying in shape since then doing my own stuff. The long, the long detailed <laughs> synopsis. Oh, well, that's the thing is that if you aren't familiar with how all this goes, transferring from college to pro ball and the roller coaster that it can be you like hearing something like this it can't even explain just the roller coaster that it is and for you you were already coming from five years in the sec not to mention high school ball uh, mm -hmm. for those in the sec as a starter which is pretty rare mm -hmm. we both know the sacrifice that it takes in division one ball and then the three or four year roller coaster that you've been on since finishing Mm -hmm. like what we were talking about with the unknown part of it, like you're putting in all this work, having no idea, like if anything's going to come of it, mm -hmm. how do you, because right now, I think from my perspective, you're in the best shape that you've been in since I've known you, mm -hmm. like how are you still putting in the work and staying committed mentally knowing like this is all up in the air? I would say, I think, financially like it's been super tough just because I've been fortunate in a way because I have like saved money and my parents encouraged me to save money when I was <clears throat> younger and like they helped me save money too um so I've had reserve funds to like when I'm not really bringing in a whole lot of money to like cover bills and expenses and stuff so from that aspect it's I'm fortunate because I don't have to go out and work because like that would put a huge strain on just my ability to be able to like go and work out and also it just puts so much strain into your into your daily life but I don't know it's just kind of like one of those things where I genuinely like working out like i I think with a lot of athletes, maybe linemen more so than like a running back, it's just kind of like built in to your like wiring. It's like, I just enjoy working out. Like it's like my brain is wired to like the endorphins that come from, you know, feeling like you put in solid work and achieved something in the weight room like to me that's very rewarding and i get genuine like pleasure and like stimulation from it and it's just i i mean i can tell like when i don't work out like on the weekends you just feel more like sluggish almost like yeah you need like rest days and stuff and i take rest days like whenever um usually the weekends but it's like if you are usually supposed to work out one day and you don't, then you can definitely feel like you just feel off. You feel a little sluggish. You feel lazy. You kind of are down on yourself a little because you're like, damn, I should have worked out. And 
luckily, I, I mean, I try to not, I don't really ever skip days, but it's like when you have to work around certain things and kind of modify the schedule, you definitely feel like you're off a little bit. You have to, it's funny. You said that like, you have to love it. I always wondered why like you, you knew the guys that were playing that were playing to get girls or whatever else. And I was just like, bro, you, the sacrifice that's required to play, you have yeah. to love it. Like I, I think that's, I think part of it's internal wiring of who you are. And then the other part of it is just that, like you said, like you love it. Yeah. And for me, and I think we were fortunate at UK because we had good strength coaches that were genuinely liked their job and like they were smart and are smart and are really good teachers. Like I would just hang out in the weight room, like after class and stuff and just like talk to like coach ed and coach chris and like talk about the workouts and just like do extra stuff just to like i don't know just hanging out just like messing around you know so i think from that perspective they really and just like learning about like what we were doing and why really is interesting just to like know why you're doing something how it's affecting your performance and you know, that whole aspect of training is, is interesting to me because it's very like things like that. I, I, I can relate to easily because I can like see the result. You can like see the results of what you do over time. Um, so to me, it just, I, I guess I get more pleasure out of it. Cause it's like, you know, that if you do something a certain way, it's gonna like, the results are going to come. It's just effort in time. Do you feel like your time at UK working with Ed, Chris, Hill, all those guys molded you? Do you feel like you left mentally tougher than when you showed up as a freshman? Oh, yeah, for sure. I actually, uh, <laughs> when Chris Chris first came in, um, Canadian Chris, um, I remember it was like right when the new coaching staff came in. The, we were doing like a super early morning workout and we we're, I think we we're doing like some like trunk exercises, like warm up or something. And I think I was like, we were like sitting down doing it. And I remember him, I like yawned because it was like 5.30 or like 6 a.m. And he like came over and he's like, you yawn again, blah, 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 blah. He's like, I'm going to make you all start over. I was like, Jesus, like, I'm just yawning. It's early as shit in the morning. And like, I've, for some reason, I've never forgotten that. So it was always super funny to think about. But yeah, I definitely think it was not like an easy environment to be in. Like, because when you're in there, like, as a team working out, it's like, it's competitive. And it's like, you know, you're lifting heavy things. And it's tough, but it's also very rewarding. So what was the uh, hardest part of that, it? What's that? what was the hardest part of it to you the physical side or more the, the psychological side of you're trying to win a starting job learn you don't want to screw uh, up on Saturdays I would say I mean I don't know if either one was harder I was never like I mean you always get like a little nervous before games or at least I always did but it wasn't like I would probably say like the weight room was harder. Like I wasn't ever super afraid of like losing my starting job. I always use it as like motivation. Like I always felt like there was someone 
like right behind me, like about to take my starting job. So I was like always super paranoid, not paranoid about it, but like it made me work harder. So do you, cause you got to play under before I got there. Like I came on with stoops mm-hmm. um, and you had, you had experience with Joker before then, but even your first year aside, like starting since you were there longer than I was, you know, after I left, you got two more seasons with stoops. Did you feel the program changing? Like, did you, could you feel things starting to, to change even from when I was there? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was definitely, they definitely treated everyone, I would say the same when they came in, in terms of like, nobody has any like special treatment or, or anything. It was a lot of like accountability, like, I mean, they, I'm pretty sure they got rid of like a lot of guys when they got in there. Just like, oh, you're just not good enough. Like we need, we can use your spot for somebody else who's more talented or like isn't going to miss class every single day. So I felt like from that perspective, they were a lot more, a lot more strict. And I think of over time, it kind of wasn't, as targeted to everyone it was like they kind of knew who the responsible ones were who didn't need to be babysat and would kind of let them do their thing in terms of like just didn't have to have all that oversight on them all the time like the leaders of the team took initiative you're saying instead of the coaches yeah but i also feel like there was just like a mentality of like when they first came in of like i mean we had lost so many games for so long it's like you're kind of just like almost depressed in a way but like you don't know you don't realize like that your mental state of like how you approach working out or like interactions on the on the practice field and that is like how that's affecting you negatively and to have someone else come in and like be like no that's messed up like this is how you should do it. It's just eye-opening. It's like, oh, I didn't even realize I was acting that way or like I could be acting differently. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. So it's like when you, when you start winning and you like feel that difference, it definitely makes a huge difference. (laughs) I think there was a, there was a soft culture there. I'm not speaking to any, like, I don't know. I'm not speaking to any coach in particular or anything like that. I just think, I remember when, cause I came on my first year with Stoops and that was a big issue. Like we had, we had to trim the fat. Like there was mm-hmm. a certain mentality. It was probably came from just, you know, losing continually. And there was a, there wasn't an expectation. And I remember Ed, I don't want to misquote Ed, but saying something to, to the equivalent of, you know, we're setting the bar here. And like, if you don't make it over, you're not coming. And, you know, just talking about like, it's not about trying to get as many people over to the other side as possible. It's about setting the bar here and like the warriors will make it to the other side and everyone else Mm -hmm. like, sorry. And I think it was like, we had to take a short-term hit of losing some guys who didn't have the chops to get over the bar. Yeah. I think that's important is to always like have a standard and then it's like, it doesn't matter who, who doesn't achieve it, whether it's like someone you thought was really good or like a leader and it's like they should always meet and exceed the standard that shouldn't be like i mean you should set a high standard but it 
you know, it shouldn't be that hard to like, you know, <laughs> like if you're just handling your business, like we weren't even taught, we're not talking about like being all SEC players. We were just talking about like just doing the little things that like, you know, whether it's like go to class, like do stuff right on the practice field, you know, just the way you handle yourself in the building, just little things like that that just weren't happening that affect the outcome. You were you were a team captain even when I was there. And I want to say I left. You still had two years left. Um, I don't think I was a captain when you were there. You weren't? No, I, I think I was only the captain like my last year. Senior year? Yeah. My redshirt senior year. I would attribute from from what I know about you and experiencing being on the same team as you is just like you did do those little things right. Like yeah. you were obviously a, a really good player, um, but you did the little things right for yeah. a long period of time. And I think it paid off. Yeah, I just I figured that I was not the most gifted athletically in terms of like being able to put up numbers so I'm like I have to do everything else I can to maximize myself <laughs> so I'm like you can obviously work on everything in the weight room but like these th these other things outside are like easily managed so like just do those and then you know control you can control that's probably bleeding into what you're doing now right like you because you still have to just keep doing the same thing day in and day out and like be prepared for a call. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I mean, there's definitely days where you like go and you're like, damn, this is, <laughs> I really don't want to be here right now. But like, those are the days where it's like the most important to do it, you know, unless like you're may may get injured because you're like so fatigued like in that case like you shouldn't train but it's like if you're just not motivated it's like suck it up and do it it may not be the prettiest but um just gotta do it you know i kind of there was this one like greek myth i want to say i think it's like sisyphus or something where he like rolls a ball like a stone up a hill and then once he gets to the top uh it's a yeah greek myth um it's either sisyphus or someone else they roll like a stone up a hill and then once he gets to to the top it like rolls back down and he has to like start all over again like rolling it up the hill so i always like to think of that when i'm like that's kind of how I approach training. It's like a never ending thing. You know what I mean? Like you're never going to be done training until you're dead. <laughs> it's the best so way to I, get it. I, I just kind of take like the long view, which is like, it's always easier to like stay in shape as well than like just be lazy for like a month or two and then like try and get back into shape. Like I've done that several times for sure. And like high school like when the season's over you just like kind of like if you're not I mean I did other sports but like you know when summer break starts you just like all right I'm gonna chill for a sec um and then you just like 
why did I let myself get out of shape? Like, this is terrible. So I've just like, like, it's better to just like stay in really good shape and <laughs> sit around, get lazy, get out of shape. So it comes back to, I remember probably six or seven years ago, you were the first person to tell me about this guy, Jocko, Jocko mm -hmm. Willink. And mm -hmm. I was thinking his, his quote on and book discipline equals freedom came to my mind earlier when you were talking about, it came to my mind just now. And, and also earlier when you were talking about how, like, thankfully you, you can just train right now and you don't have to worry about not having money because you saved money while you were mm -hmm. making it. And it's like, ha you have to choose one way or the other. Like it's going to be hard either way, either you, you have discipline and you save your money. So now you can do what you're doing now. Mm -hmm or you don't and either you stay in shape and put in the work every single day so that when a team calls you, you're ready to go or you don't. I feel like you're just, you're making the hard choice. It's probably yeah, easier in the I long feel run. Like, I feel like I'd be doing myself a disservice if I was like, to me, it's like, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna continue to pursue football and I'm not on the team, like that's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna do everything I have to to like stay mentally fresh whether it's like studying old old playbook notes or like notebooks I have and just like refreshing myself on like terminology and that kind of stuff as well as like stay in shape like or just continue to get stronger and in better shape because I mean I I want to once an opportunity arises be able to capitalize on it you don't want to you know not put yourself in the best position to you know get the job once it's presented and then you know for me it's like i want to be able to like sleep at night <laughs> knowing that like i have given it everything it has and it's like if it doesn't work out like it's, you can't do it forever so with football at least so do you feel like you have still haven't shown your best yet as far as how you can play and what you can do oh yeah i mean i until I got to the Browns, I had never really played guard, even in college. And then when I got to the Browns, like that's all I pretty much played because they brought me in as a center this last preseason. But um, I guess I think a tackle or someone else got injured like right when I got there. So they like bumped me out to guard and due to like the roster size during that time at camp, it was like two, it was only like two, two, uh, squads so it was like the ones and the twos and they had a two center and they just like bumped me out to guard so I was like I had to learn really quickly how to play guard and like actually started doing well at it given even though I hadn't ever played it really seriously like for multiple reps in a row on an NFL team or even in college so I feel like that aspect in terms of like being able to play multiple positions, I didn't really sell myself on when I was in the NFL. Like I was always like 295, 300. And I was like, Oh, I'm just going to be a center, you know? And the truth of the matter is like when you're on the second team, like I was never getting reps with the ones. And it's like, when you're not a one, you have to be able to do multiple things as an offensive lineman. You can't, um, I mean, rarely do teams just keep a pure center on the roster just because of the roster size. Like they need guys to be able to be like the internal swing guy or play all three or be like a tackle guard. So, I mean, that's, 
that's kind of something that I wish I had done earlier, just because I feel like if I had gotten that experience earlier, I would have been more confident doing it, you know, at this level. Um, but also like, I'd always had this kind of internal battle of like, well, centers are like 300, 300 pounds, whereas guards nowadays in the NFL are like 330. So I was like, I don't want to be 330 and then be asked to go play center. So it's like, I can't do the same things at 330 as a center as I could at 300. And especially like when I was with the Eagles, I was like, um, Kelsey's like Jason Kelsey, the center, he's like probably like 295, 300 maybe. So I was like, I was always like, oh, I'm just going to be like 295 because that's how they like the cent their centers. They're like a mobile, like I'm be able to like move in space. I was like, if I get to like 320, 330, like I'm not going to be able to move that well. So it's always like this internal little fight I had with myself. But then once I got to the Browns, I was like, it kind of opened my eyes and I was actually playing guard consistently. I was like, man, I have to put on weight because some of these D tackles are large. And if they put their freaking arm in your chest, then you have to have a little mass behind you or strength to be able to like anchor quickly and <laughs> like stop them from just bull rushing you into the quarterback. So that's why, I mean, I was only like 300 when I was at the Browns. So I was like, I mean, I got to put some weight on, like, this isn't even a question anymore. And I'm like, I, I feel like I, ha I got the confidence to be able to play guard it's like if if someone threw me in in like a game like i'd be super comfortable playing guard now so how do you feel at 315 versus like the 290 295 um i mean i definitely notice it in the weight room like i was it was just it's just different because now i'm kind of eating to gain mass and you can definitely feel like yourself getting stronger in the weight room but there's definitely things that like I can't do as well now. Like pull-ups are a lot more challenging <laughs> to do like just rep out some pull-ups. So like the average person's putting another human on their back and doing chin-ups. Yeah. And then like, I've been doing dips a lot lately, but those are like super challenging as I was getting larger. Like I was doing like eight reps and being like gassed. So I was like, man, I got to get these, got to pump these numbers up. They're embarrassing. So, um, but yeah, I definitely, crazy thing is I feel like I've been getting stronger as I've been putting on mass. So I don't really notice, like, I feel like I've maintained my speed and or gotten faster just for my perception. Like I don't, I haven't like timed a 10 yard split or anything, but, um, just from like recording some stuff of like positional drills I do, um, it just looks the same, if not better in terms of like explosiveness and speed. So that's been encouraging to see. I remember last I was paying attention to your, we were both doing really similar nutrition plans mm -hmm. and you were eating 5,000 calories a day and you had to up it to 5,500 because mm -hmm. you were losing weight. And I know that there's, <laughs> there's myths that go around, like certain athletes eat 10,000 calories a day. That's usually never true. So some people listening yeah. might, might think I'm exaggerating right now, but this is from experienced calorie counters. It actually was 5,500 calories a day. 
yeah just like we were throwing down our food and everything <laughs> it's a but massive yeah, i mean i guess the only difference now is that i eat a lot more red meat like i don't think i was eating a lot of red meat on that diet and it's Same. easier to consume more calories when you're eating red meat and i just i i think i enjoy just like red meat a lot more than just chicken same i think that was a mistake i'm on i'm on like two to three pounds of red meat a day right now nice yeah i I probably eat red meat at least once or twice a day so i do i do a shake in the morning before i I work out just to because it's just easier to consume such large quantities of such large amounts of calories it's funny i i don't normally like writing notes but i wrote a little bit of notes down over there on the corner of the table just so i wouldn't forget anything and i have written down vayner really big because i think it would be (laughs) it would be a disservice to i don't know if even you'll remember this but years ago now i remember texting you you were coming out you were projected mid-round pick and I think you were probably getting courted by a ton of different agencies. And I remember texting you saying, yo, this guy, Gary V just started an agency, a sports agency. If he mm-hmm. hits you up, you should sign with him. I don't have anything to do with you signing with him. I understand that, but <laughs> I just think it's super funny. It's like a small world um, yeah. that you call, you must've called me not too long after that and said, dude, I just signed with Vayner. <laughs> well, I think when we were living together in, uh, at that Addison Avenue apartment, <clears throat> they're like really, I mean, it was a nice apartment, but I think we, at one point were like talking about Vayn, like we, you were just interested in Gary Vaynerchuk and you like told me about him. And then I just like watched a whole bunch of his videos <clears throat> and just kind of followed him from there on. And then you told me that he was doing the agency. So I looked it up and I was like, Oh, that'd be funny if like they reached out. Like I like Gary, like he's a, cool guy like knows what he's doing seems seems like he's smart and uh like i guess excited and you know wants to open this agency so when they hit me up i was like wow that's that's funny (laughs) manifest destiny i guess right it's a small world i you know ryan wormick he he used to do event stuff and that's how i got introduced to gary or who gary was um he did an event where he he must have i think he booked gary to speak somewhere in dallas and this was like he was a big name guy at the time but he wasn't gary Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. um but i think he had he had enough clout where a lot of people knew who he was and he did his thing and ryan was like dude this guy everyone knew who he was and he just sat there he's like we must have been there for three hours after the event talking 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 he's answering everyone's questions and then he's like and then i asked him some questions i was talking to him and he said gary like hundreds of people around was just sitting there listening like you know in like the gary v like super intense yeah yeah and and then he texted me a video he's like just just listen to this guy and it was just a six second video that said stop complaining about time everyone has time stop watching fucking lost that whole thing (laughs) And uh, I just bleeped myself so I didn't have to bleep it on uh, in, in the production. But anyways, yeah. so that was how I got introduced to Gary Vee. And then hearing that he was launching an agency and talking to you about it, I just thought it was a small world. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was 
that was literally like the year that they that I signed with them was the first like class that they recruited out of college. How's so it been? It like brand new agency. It's been good. I mean, uh, I'm obviously not with a team right now, so I mean that's tough. But they've been good. I mean, they're very my agent Brian. He's very like responsive and um, just a good guy. So treats you right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've obviously grown since then. So they have a couple more agents on uh, on the staff there. So. So what's are you just taking things one step at a time right now, or do you have a timeline in your mind of what the next year looks like? Um, I mean, I think there was some interest at like the beginning of the, of the regular season, a couple teams like hit my agent up, but with COVID, especially now, like teams really aren't even like working guys out. I think some teams aren't working anyone out. And I think some teams are allowed to have like five guys a week work out. So it's just super restrictive right now. And on top of that, it's like the team you like a guy in my situation i don't have film that other other teams can see so it's like really my best hope is that something comes along with the browns but um you know who knows my money's not gonna last forever so um yeah i think by like the end of the year depending on like what i hear from teams you know if i don't hear anything that's like, like pretty clear like there's nothing's going to happen then uh, I was toying around with uh, potentially going back to school and getting a master's potentially doing like an MBA um, but yeah I mean I haven't really come up with a plan as of right now I mean I have a couple things floating around but obviously continue to do the model to do the modeling thing um, because that just kind of works around my schedule and I can fit that in wherever, uh, whenever I get jobs. So that's always cool and fun to do. And you obviously make good money doing it. So um, definitely continue doing that as long as I can. And then, yeah, I mean, like I said, potentially doing school again, MBA maybe. Um, And then I've possibly been thinking about maybe even going like the agent route, like NFL agent. Um, and I think from what I've seen that requires like, it's either like a master's degree at least, or to like take the agent exam or a, uh, you have to like have five years of like negotiating experience or something. I'm not sure like how loose that is, but so far that's what I've seen. You've negotiated with D tackles before you can count. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I've definitely negotiated with D tackles for more than five years. So, yeah. Well, I'm rooting for um, you. I think like yeah. you're going to do good at whatever you do. Fingers crossed. You have a nice NFL career. And then bottom line, you're going to be a young dude when you finish NFL, even if you pull a Tom Brady, oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I think your, your personality is going to suit you well, whatever mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. What about you? What are you, you're training right now and what's going on? 
yeah, I got a, a workout next week at the Rams. No, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> four years later. Let's go. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still, if you wouldn't know by how I'm training that I'm not trying to play in the NFL, um, people that are like closely, not super close to me that know how I train are super confused by like, what are you trying yeah. to do? Like, are you training for war? <laughs> but you just it's like such a habit now yeah the war of life it's a habit yeah i mean it's it's a good habit it's rewarding i want to do so i'll probably chop this up later but i want to do like a just random questions um i'm going to try to think of a few i know a couple i want to ask but i might use these as like i don't know some type of i don't know whatever videos all right um best d tackle that you ever played against uh, or toughest player in general like in the nfl or college both college pro i want to say uh larry Ogunjobi was really good and like it was he played for the charlotte 49ers which was like a really small program that we played at uk but he's he's actually with the browns now he uh he wasn't huge in college but like he's just blown up size wise and like strength wise since then and he was like really strong when we played him and he's like gotten so much stronger since then so i think he's he's obviously he's not like a a guy who gets a lot of uh publicity but he's i think he's a really good player and then um i mean i've gone against Fletcher Cox, like in practice and stuff, he's insane. And then mm, any big name guys from that you played against from the in the SEC that are now in pro that people know that uh, were tough. I think, I think Dalvin Tomlinson. He was at Alabama. He's at the Giants now. He was, I mean, he was a solid guy. Did you play against Davion? No, I think the year we played at South Carolina when he was there. He had like the last time he had like his ribs were bruised, so he sat out. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I never actually played against him. But like he was a D end anyway, so it would have been Swin Swin Diesel. Swin Diesel blocking him, I think. So. Okay. Let me think. Um, oh, I think I know what you're going to say to this one, but biggest athletic freak that you've ever played with or around or against? Um, you know what? I have two in at UK, at least Kentucky. The first one, obviously, is Bud. Really? <laughs> like the most insane stride like slash gate that I've ever seen, like coming off his first step in a 40 in, yard is like three yards. Four, yeah. Like watching his 40 get offs when he was training, I was just like, this is insane. Like he didn't even have to do anything to get ready for the combine. He was going to crush it. It was, I mean, he obviously like worked hard and everything, but um, yeah, that was just like, you rarely see those types of athletes, but also funny enough, Matt Elam, I thought was a a really good athlete. Like he wasn't, he didn't, I guess, necessarily pan out in the football world in terms of like 
his he never really reached his ceiling because he just couldn't figure stuff out off the field and like nutrition wise but I remember I think him and one of the receivers when we were Joey. in the old Joey went up went up to the track like the turf and they did like a little 10 yard get off and he like stayed with them the entire time I think I still have that on video I'm gonna I'll probably play it over this yeah but yeah and I was like oh my god that's <laughs> to insane. Joey's credit I gotta Joey did beat him by a decent amount but for a 375 he was like 375 right yeah he got yeah. off quick like he got off really quick yeah i saw it and i was like oh my god that's insane yeah he's a large um, large lad but yeah and then just like in the weight room too you just do like seven plates like rep it out on the trap bar <laughs> oh just like god. i'm exaggerating I'm, i don't think it was actually seven plates but it was a lot of weight um so them two and then I don't know. I've, I mean, I've never played against him or seen him, but I mean, obviously Aaron Donald, he's like so strong. It's ridiculous. Just like seeing some of his videos online of like just repping 405 on the bench and he's like 280 pounds. Like, yeah, that's, that's strength. Yeah. It's borderline but superhuman. Outside of that, I can't really, I can't think of anyone. A few that come to mind. I, th- I was thinking, are just like i would say athletic freaks to a large degree obviously bud is an alien potentially mm-hmm. um but jeff bidet oh like yeah, his yeah. his leaping and sprinting ability was insane yeah he was fast as hell yeah jeff was true. fast josh clemens freak. oh yeah he was the, the glass man though they had they just had to he couldn't even lift he was already yeah. too jacked like yeah he was too jacked to lift they would just have him sit in the weight room <laughs> like just like, do like mobility like, stuff josh just do some body weight squats because <laughs> you're too massive just do mobility yeah him, okay and then uh pat tolls was actually really fast he ran like a four five i'm pretty like sure the, at his pro day he was like i'm pretty sure he was like the second fastest guy at one point on our team yeah he was a freak um i got another one hardest practice or moment from practice whether it's training camp or spring ball that you can remember uh i mean i would say the hardest part of spring ball was definitely i don't really remember a camp practice or anything that was like sticks out but i definitely remember the uh just like the winter training right before camp in like February when you do like the morning things in the the stations or whatever. I thought those were always tough. Those were always tough. And it was like, you could just tell they were just doing it to like see who would break mentally. Yeah. Those kinds of things. And it was like, once you did them for like a couple times, you kind of got used to it in terms of like the, the demands of it. But like the first ones for sure were like definitely tough. It was like eight, eight or something stations, three minutes like probably eight, each. And then like four or something after yeah. you do the eight. Sprinting like, from station to station. Yeah. And like you can't mess up or like you go back. <laughs> Just get chewed out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, those were tough. Like the just you're up in the morning too. It's like one degree yeah. outside on a warm mm-hmm. morning, and you like don't have. I mean, it's like six a.m. So it's like you can't possibly like eat before it and be fueled for it. Yep. So you're just like operating off whatever's left in your body. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, what was tough was when uh we would do like a workout or whatever. And then at the end we do like the oxidative like squats or something. Did you ever do those? 90 seconds straight. Yeah. Where you just have the, like a super heavy dumbbell and you're just like oscillating up and down, like not fully extending, not fully going down. Just like getting this massive pump. They put us in that, in a circle for the oxidative squat. So everyone's staring at each Like you can just see if someone breaks, like you're done. Um, I never had to do it, but like if you showed up late and you had to do like the stairmaster with no hands, that that always like terrified me. Like I was never, I'd always set like three alarms anyway, but it was like never wanted to do that. I would have 16 alarms set, like every possible backup. There's no way I'm missing <laughs> workouts. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That was probably like the most terrifying thing is like the potential of missing a workout or being late. Cool. Well, give a, give a little, you're going to have to spell your Instagram handle out because I guarantee people are going to go oh, to the wrong yeah. spot. It's uh, J-T-O-E-T-H. It's not actually how you spell my last name, but it's how you that's say it. my Instagram. Yeah, it's the phonetic spelling. J-Toth, IG handle. And that wraps up my interview with John Toth. I hope you enjoyed this one. If you're still listening, thank you again, as always. Uh, John is a legitimately good dude, good buddy of mine, and I'm just rooting for him, rooting for him to get signed, have a nice, long NFL career. It's a, it, it is a bumpy, frustrating road uh, that John knows quite well, uh, but he deserves, deserves a shot. He's in great shape. He's been training super hard, so excited for him. As far as the podcast goes, right now we're looking at every Monday or Tuesday, I'll be releasing a new interview. I haven't figured out which day of the week I want it to be yet. doesn't necessarily matter, just sort of scheduling-wise. But expect a new interview every week on Monday or Tuesday. And then I'm tossing around the idea of doing a solo episode on Fridays. Uh, That would just be me maybe picking a topic that I think, you know, I can sort of dive deep on that would be helpful, but it also just might be, you know, eventually maybe like a Q&A thing um, or even, you know, quote unquote story time uh, if there's interesting, you know, something to share. So that's, you know, it's a work in progress. We'll figure it out one day at a time with this podcast, but that's what I'm tossing around right now. If you made it this far and you're listening to this part, and you have feedback on the solo episode, you know, something that you think would be cool to do, let me know. I'm always curious to hear feedback. I'm going to say this a million times. I'm not just doing this podcast for the sake of doing it. I really want to do something that's actually useful to this world, which, you know, again, my world right now is pretty small, the world of people listening. But if you are one of those people, again, I appreciate you a ton. And I will see you either next Monday or Tuesday with a new interview and potentially I'll see you this Friday for a solo episode. Until then, stay strong, have an awesome week, get it done.